Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast for 2017. We are joined, as always, it seems, by Kangaroos Forever. Welcome aboard, Matt. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. And joining us once more after his break last week for personal reasons, uh, Mike, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Wookie. I was off just booking a trip to Fiji, but don't tell Messenger that. Mm-hmm. Messenger, of course, not here this week. Uh, he's off uh, running contraband to the coup uh, people in Fiji. Um, we believe he's tight with Frank Bananarama. Or... Well, he's not here to defend himself. So <laughs> <That's bad. not, laughs> you know, he's uh, possibly implicated in that uh, Fiji water disaster thing that's also going on there where they're uh, exporting water from needy people. So uh, that's uh, that's that, that's what Messenger's doing. Anyway, <laughs> guys, it has been a magnificently uh, topsy-turvy week in footy this week. And uh, what's caught your eye uh, off the bat there, Kangas? How did Jared Waite go this week? Jared Waite, yeah. <laughs> uh, not so much that's dominated the news for North and AFL in general is this nine-year deal that we've seen to pull out of nowhere for young Kelly from GWS. Now, that's very much a surprise. It's apparently nine years, nine million, something in that ballpark, and apparently we've got about $3 million in cap space. We're also looking looking at Martin as well as a free agent. So it's interesting whether this nine-year deal, I didn't think we'll do it. Is it? These these long-term deals are becoming more of the norm now. And I wonder if that's got a lot to do with the AFL basically guaranteeing all the payments for the future rather than just, you know, 70 to 80% of them. It's uh, as well as the increases in the broadcasting deal that should deliver greater uh, funds to the clubs. I wonder if they're just comfortable in, in being able to do that or are they being too evangelistic in securing, you know, talent young so other people don't steal it, Mike? Oh, look, I think it's a it's a balanced uh, risk with also the situation of restricted and free agency as well is is clubs being able to lock up players for another ten year contracts means that they're going to be around for a good portion um, and what they do after that is fine. But you know, it's it's this whole I think it's it, it's a way of sort of getting around um, the free agency or restricted free agency dilemma. Um, for clubs and their marquee players, um, you know, and, and certainly it's probably something that's going to trend upwards. It's a big risk, though, um, the as, average, as time goes on. Yeah, the average player only plays like five years at most, and a lot of them don't get beyond fifty games, which is less than no, three well, years. So, you, you are, look, yeah, you are right, but we might start seeing it come in earlier um, rather than later, um, and and this is the thing, and then, and then I'm not necessarily saying this is good, but we could start to see more examples of where top draft picks um, are locked into these long extended contracts um, on a potential fear of losing them to free agency or restricted free agency at a, at a much earlier date. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably going to be one of those things that sort of needs to be added a little bit more and it's going to be really trial and error um, to see how it goes because you just, we all know you cannot guarantee the longevity of any player Um Footy is on a week by week basis, and you know you can have a crippling injury completely decimate someone's career um, in their first year. Um, and then what happens if they're on a nine year contract? Well, they're going to be getting paid out for nine years unless there's obviously um, some some termination clause, which I probably would assume there would be. Um, 
mm. business background, but you know, th- there's a fair amount of financial risk being put back on the clubs to say that, hey, if you want to keep your marquee players, well, you're going to need to pay them over long period of time frames. Mm. Well, Buddy was the first one of these to really happen, wasn't he? I mean, the Swans signed him to a nine-year deal, uh, what three years ago? Is that paying off for them? Yeah, look, you, you probably could argue yes and no in the same context. Um, yes, from a from a uh, a uh, media uh, perspective, in terms of um, it's a word for it, um, in terms of sort of um, bringing back popularity of the club, him moving up to Sydney, being the face of Sydney Swans. Um, I'm not sure, and I apologise for this because I haven't sort of seen the growth on Sydney attendance games um, in Sydney. Um, but I would say it's definitely having some sort of positive influence on the Sydney Football Club and, and football in Sydney. Uh, maybe not to the level that the AFL had hoped, but I would certainly see it be positive at this point in time. But the question is, is that how how many of those nine years is Buddy actually going to play football? That's true. Mm-hmm. Which was always the concern, which is why the AFL came out and told him that they had to pay the contract out, even if he left early. So. Mm. He'll be 34 when he finishes that contract, and you've got to ask in, say, two, three years' time, did he have a good productive two or three years? Was he worth that money? Well, for the time being, he seems to be. It's uh, I don't think anyone can argue that in terms of what he's delivering to the club in general. And he is kicking goals at the moment, so it is... Yep. It, on it, the flip side, on the flip side, I mean, the hypothetical situation is what had have hap- what, what would happen in the case with the reports of Gary Ablett Jr. wanting to go back to Geelong if he was locked into a six year or nine year contract with the Gold Coast Suns, you know. So so there's a whole can of worms there in terms of um, issues there and, and, and financial risk on the clubs in AFL if they've got to back in these contracts and guarantee payouts um, in the event of players um, not living up to their expectations and not performing their contracts. And we know from past um, case law with um, Gary Bacanara versus the Hawthorne Football Club is that no court is going to prevent a player from earning a living um, or you cannot actually, you can't force um, performance at a personal level. So you cannot force a player to play for you. Um, even if they want to play, you cannot force and the court will not force someone to play football. So the worst case situation is you get a player who just becomes so disinterested with football that the AFL or the club's got to pay them out for the remainder of their contract. Mm. The, uh, what caught your eye though, Mike, this week? Well, I think it's probably the report that's come out um, in defence um, of the AFL Empires Union um, in terms of the... Obviously, yeah, we'll put it out there. There's been a number of discrepancies over the weekend. Um, and this has been a major talking point where we see, and there's a couple of threads on the main board about it, in terms of the inconsistencies of the, um, the umpiring at the start of the year and throughout the season. Um, we've got some very, very harsh decisions being made now because... It would be perception that they've been told to come out hard, but then, of course, um, at the end of the year, the whistles are put away. So we've seen a, an example of the rush behind with Callum Mills where um, I was at the game, and if you look on the replay and if you look at the actual um, verbatim of the rule, um, he was actually inside the, the five-metre square. I thought that was curious, yeah. too. Yeah, so he was inside. he was inside the square... At the time, he was under pressure, um, so it was, I think, one of these decisions made by the umpire at a crunch time where the umpire felt pressured that he had to make that call. 
Mm. Um, and again, the the Ali Ali um, free kick on Tom Boyd in the goal square, which wasn't there. Um, you know, I think even as a Bulldogs supporter, you can see that was a pretty harsh on Ali Ali. Um, and then there was issues. Um, there was a lot of discrepancies there with the West Coast and called the game. So I, I think you know they're only human um, in terms of the umpires. But I think what people want to see is a bit more consistency. If you're going to penalise players harshly for things like Callum Mills, you would expect to see every player in that situation punished the same way. But you know that's not going to happen because their umpires, like the rest of us, they're only human. They're susceptible to pressure. They're susceptible to um, lack of experience. Um, if they're a younger umpire, they haven't been around. Um, and I think that's probably just something that's going to have to take some time to sort of improve but I think if they start at the basics in terms of the ones that have been causing the most contentions is the throws, the incorrect disposals, and especially my bugbear is the third man up rule, which has caused a number of issues with players being called and then confusion. Um, that would go a long way to start to get back some of the favour with um, you know, the, the perception and uh, confidence in the umpires. Is there too many changes in terms of interpretations? Do you believe that's a reason? Yeah, too many changes. That's right. Too many, too many things are being changed too quickly for the umpires to really get a grasp of, of the impact to their games. And I think we've look. Everyone loves to bag an umpire and, and call them maggots and whatnot. But at the end of the day, as I said, the human they're susceptible to making the wrong call. We all do it um, at obviously some crunch times. But I think the AFL uh, themselves need to step up here and stop making so many changes um, and think back to what the game really needs is that enforcement of basics in terms of correct disposal or fixing up the incorrect disposal, being handballs or tackling um, too much of that goes on without being punished um, and really fix this third man up rule because um, Geelong... I think from from reports, Geelong made a mockery of it against North Melbourne. You probably tell me a bit better there, Kangas. Um, there were some cases where they weren't even going up to the ball um, because the thing is, is that you go up for the ball, the ruckman grabs it, they get tackled, they've taken possession during the ball up, and they lose the free kick anyway. So it's this sort of stuff which can really sort of have a huge detriment to the game that I think needs to be fixed, and then they can start to work out the other things from there. And maybe just take their foot off a little bit of being too eager to call free kicks that shouldn't be there. Plus, it confuses players as well. You see this every week with the behind rule. You see defenders doing absolutely stupid things to avoid behinds, even though they're under pressure. It's it, The players are confused. You can see yeah. the ruck rules, Bruce, Bruce was just tapping it down because he didn't want to get tackled with the ball, even though he could have thumped it 30 metres, he could have taken possession of it. And Geelong had an extra midfielder because he didn't understand the rules. Yeah, and we saw it. We saw a couple of situation the other week with Michael Talia, um getting getting pinged for the same thing. You know, so it's a problem, and I think it's something that's, that's going to be uh, resolved anytime soon. But I think the AFL really needs to sort of work on getting back to the basics with what's more important in the game, and and is not necessarily putting the whistle away, but making sure that um, the important things are focused on in terms of just clarifying those areas of confusion with the third man up, um, the incorrect disposals on tackles. So players, you know, having God knows how long to dispose the ball or get rid of the ball when they don't and 
just clarify what is acceptable disposal. You know, if it's if tunnelling is not this acceptable, tapping the ball on, just just you know, finally put it to rest and, and clarify what is acceptable. Educate the umpires and make sure the umpires are consistent in their ruling or as best as possible to make sure the umpires are consistent in their ruling because that's what it comes down to, is that you can see the same decision or the same incident have multiple outcomes depending on who is actually officiating on the day and their interpretation of the rule. Now, Mike, it's interesting that you're having a lot to say about the umpires, Um, and I think you know where this is headed, but um, there's been a lot of... uh, commentary about the free kick count in favour of the Bulldogs uh, and some of the free kicks awarded <laughs> to the Bulldogs uh, not least a free kick to Tom Boyd uh, in front of goal that apparently royally ticked off John Longmire and which the AFL apparently admitted was uh, in error uh, later on. I don't know why they would do that. Why, why would you come out and say look, we got it wrong? Like, oh, look, I, what is served I, I, I by that? So. Well, look, there, there's there's two questions there, right? So the first one is the perception of, of why the Bulldogs are getting so many free kicks. And I think this is goes hand-in-hand hand with the inconsistency of the application of the rules, is that the way we play football, or the way the Bulldogs play football, um, is very fierce and first the ball, and they're forcing the umpires to make a lot of snap decisions that aren't necessarily there, but compounded with the pressure on the umpires to be hard on the rules at the start of the season um, and then at the end of the season, the whistles are put away. I think if the umpires had a little bit more clearer guidance in terms of those areas that I've, I'd raised before, mm. I don't. I could pretty much say we wouldn't be getting the number of free kicks or we'd be penalised a lot more than what we should be, I think especially there was a with the incorrect disposals. So, But I, I will say that the way the Bulldogs play football does force umpires to make quick calls and they're not always the right calls. And yeah, I'll admit that, you know, and, and we saw that against, we saw that against uh, Sydney last week and, and yeah, there were a couple of, go, couple of calls in the grand final game that shouldn't have been there that were there that, you know, that I would have looked at some point and thought, you know what, that, that really wasn't a free kick um, or that should have been paid the other way. But as I said, they're only human. But it, it, comes it, back is, to the it basics, is starting to take on Sorry? It is starting to take on a like a free kick Hawthorne type vibe about it, though, Mike. Well, it's... I guess the other the other thing too is that you know, I mean, look, the premiers are the hunted, yep. and if if this had been two years ago and and we're getting the same free kicks, I don't think anyone would have cared. You know, yep. it's we won the premiership now with the hunted, you know, and we're going to have a lot more spotlight on us and discrepancies against us in terms of free kick counts and what have it not. Um, you know free kicks we're getting and free kicks that should be paid against us. So I think that's quite normal for those teams in the spotlight. But when you've got this issue with the application of the rules and the amount of changes that we've had, it only compounds confusion and doesn't and, and makes it a lot harder and, and easy for people to look beyond that and say, well, you know, free kick calls on, free kick called on, whatever. Um, but you've got to look at the root cause of the problem. And, and, and again, I think I agree with what Kang has said, is that too many changes to too many rules too quickly. Fair call. All right, what caught my eye this week uh, will surprise nobody, really. It's the Tribunal, the Match Review Panel, uh, which um, and and which found Tom Hogan... Uh, sorry. Jesse. Jesse Hogan, thank you. <laughs> and... Um, and Man, I've gone blank. 
uh, and, uh, Lewis, Jordan, Jordan Lewis. Uh, both were and, found. And uh, Scott Thompson from North as well. Yes. Uh, and the, 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 some some uh, some big penalties handed out there in, in, in many ways. Two to three weeks uh, for striking. Uh, Patrick Cripps has a, 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 a hairline fracture in his jaw. Uh, Sam Rowe has concussion. Um, I'm not sure what the guy that Thompson hit has. Dangerfield played his best game ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point because we've had a player retire this week off the back of a concussion stained um, against um, Port, Adelaide, Port Adelaide, was it? Yeah, Sean Dempster. Dempster? I wish him all yeah, the best yeah. too. Yeah, yeah um, and it's concerning, you know. It's a concerning that we're seeing, we're starting to see an increase of these players with concussion. Now, I, I'm not Cripps having a broken, was it cheek or jaw? Uh, jaw. Dusty, jaw. Dusty Martin's the one with the cheek thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's what's more important to the AFL here is is that you know they've really got to crack down on this stuff because they're going to be careful, and if they're not, they're going to have negligence claims against them for contact, you know, head contact that causes permanent injuries. And I, I said one of the three, you know, with Sean Dempster, unfortunately when this sort of happens, one concussion is one too many. And and this is what sort of is a concern for Paddy McCartan. And, and we all know that he's had some pretty, pretty tough concussions and brain injury is long term. It, it affects the brain um, over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, and, I won't digress, but there was a um, uh, an athlete in America um, by the name of Christopher Nowinski who was was a part of the wrestling entertainment industry, but um, suffered too many concussions and then stepped away from that sort of industry. And he's actually a Harvard graduate, and actually that actually is true. But took up a study on the impact of uh, long term health of concussions over NFL football players, and some of the results and data in there that he'd gotten from medical experts is is a concern and especially far guys here who are going around having their heads bashed through you know through head high tackles or whatever mm. you know how long is it going to be before we start seeing players here launching legal appeals or legal uh, action against the AFL for breach of duty of care where they've suffered long-term injuries and uh, brain injuries because they've been they've having their heads pounded so you know this is another particular issue in terms of liability on the AFL that they need to start thinking of the long-term welfare of these players to make sure that they're being protected. Well, now, I, think, I know yeah. we're not going to go out and have helmets, but um, you, you've got to send the message to players that it is not acceptable to go for another player's head. Mm. You know, well, the it's AFL's just not always, acceptable. The AFL's always had... Uh, like the AFL, the VFL, there's always been that uh, over-the-shoulder rule. And I don't understand why that's just not enough to you know, rigidly enforce that like you're meant to. You, you bump someone above the shoulder. You hit someone above the shoulder. You, you, you just, that's, that's the, that was the rule. It was that simple. But I know, think the yeah. pace that gamers amplified a lot of these head high type of free kicks. No, no question. Oh, well, it is another question in terms of everyone's going a hundred miles an hour. You're not going to exactly stop to see if you're going to go a little bit high. Then he takes that little, bit of angle and you hit a boy pie. But the duty, the, duty, the, rule, the rules make that the duty of the player to check. Like the, yes, the, it is. So if you're running at 100 miles, if, if I drive a car at 100 kilometres an hour and I hit a pedestrian, 
the rule yeah. it, it's still it's still on me for killing the pedestrian. I'm still going to get done for manslaughter unless the pedestrian yeah. threw himself at me. It's it's and as yeah, as Mark was saying, there's that is going a to ridiculous be a point analogy where they're going to be culpability about it. <laughs> it's, that was a stupid yeah. analogy. It doesn't even fit. Any, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Look, moving well, on. Look, it's it's. I think it's what it comes down to is is that the AFL has got or the tribunal has has got to revise or revisit um, their how they treat players that dish out head high contact, whether or not it's a punch to the face or a head high tackle or a, you know a shirt front to the head. I think we've got to start thinking long term what's in the best interest for the players here, and, and I think protecting their heads. I think they're doing a study that. at the moment which is aimed at that sort of long term view. The women and the men at the start of the season were all carrying around these monitors and things like that on their heads, and so it was. Well, I don't think the AFL's not been proactive. I just think they've been inconsistent. Mm. Um, the mm. the footage of the guy lying on the ground when I I don't know who it was that came over the top and elbowed him in the head. And yeah, that was Thompson. Thompson, and he, he got a week for that, I think. Uh, you know. We should have appealed that, and he should have got two weeks. <laughs> you know, that, that's, like, that's, that's, just, that's just ridiculous. While we're talking uh, about... And the other thing that caught my eye was, of course, uh, David Reese jones teeing off on Greg Williams for being an assistant coach at Essendon. <laughs> I don't know if any of you saw this, but he called him a traitor. And basically tantamount to being a traitor for being at Essendon. And this is a couple of days before Carlton are due to play Essendon on the, the weekend. So uh, just a, a slightly lighter what caught my eye amongst all oh. the uh, slightly darker things. Um, before we well, move... let, let's, let's be honest here. I mean, David Rhys-Jones has always had it in for Greg since the infamous incident. Well, yeah, but I mean, that was going back nearly 40 years. So, you know. Yeah. Well, he broke his jaw. Well, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were both uh, they they were both known for their tempers, though. So, round two has just completed, and how uh, how did you see round two in general, Mike? Yeah, look, I mean, still two rounds in um, the noughts and twos, you know, especially in some of the cases like Sydney's ones, I wouldn't particularly be too worried at this stage but then you look at some of the other teams in terms of Fremantle um, and if Fremantle were to cop a big loss this weekend um, you've got to start to ask some questions there um, of what exactly is going on but you know some, there were some promising things in the round um, although they didn't win I thought Brisbane is starting to show some improvement I, I would expect them to start to uh, not go and leaps and bounds up the ladder but but start to make some progress and start to, to build their list. And um, Hawthorne, um, you know, have, have Hawthorne had it? Is it the end of the road for them? Um, I guess, look, at this point in time, you, you would be more inclined to say yes than you wouldn't. But, you know, I, I think the point is, is don't read too much into round two at this stage. No. And, um, you know, things can change very, very quickly. Um so I think I'd be probably more interested in about seeing where things are after rounds eight or nine when, when we can start to see how teams are shaping up and, and obviously the eight shaping up. And I think that's when you'll start to see the real form of teams, um, especially when it comes to teams such as Melbourne, who, who people have had such high expectations on them being 
a top eight side this year and, and even to some degree um, St Kilda, um, there's a lot of expectation on them to to at least have a solid crack at making a game. So, you know, overall, look, I wasn't uh, too displeased with the results and there's some good stuff to see there. And I think Essendon is, is sort of surprising a lot of people um, in terms of their, you know, I, I won't say beating, Essendon, beating uh, Brisbane was huge, but certainly the first win over uh, Hawthorne was quite good. So, but you know what? I think I'm just happy that footy's back after a bit of a six-month break. I was getting bored of watching the grand final replay. <laughs> Lots of lots. Most games in that twenty to thirty point uh, victory or defeat, uh, depending on your perspective, uh, margin, and that's acceptable. I think uh, no, yeah. no. Well, other than the the Fremantle game, which uh, shout out to our mate Seppo, who doesn't, uh, who isn't doing the podcast anymore, and is probably uh, disowning all things Australian football these days. But uh, Seppo, wherever you are, mate, we're thinking of you every time Frio lose and uh, a ninety point loss on the weekend to uh, Frio. And they've they've got some problems there, um, but uh, Kangas, how did you see round two, mate? Oh, it's a bit depressing for my mob, but <laughs> uh, I can't add much more to what Mike said. It, you can't read too much into the early rounds. It's interesting just seeing some of the younger players coming through for each club, just in terms of say Essendon with the returning players and seeing how they cope. And at this stage. They look pretty good. St Kilda looks good. Melbourne looks good. Port Adelaide look good. It's it's going to be an interesting season. I'm very interested to see round eight right now, to be honest. There's a couple of clubs, I think, that are, that were a little bit woeful in round one that are, are finding their way forward. I think uh, Carlton, I think, improved, uh, having watched both <coughs> their games. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think they've improved. I didn't say they were going to win. Brisbane definitely lifted. Um, I think... Honestly, you look at it, and, and I take great amounts of joy in noting that Hawthorne are down at the bottom with us with no wins at this time of the season. Um, as are free, of course, so shout-outs to both uh, Frank, uh, I mean Messenger, um, over there in uh, Fiji, <laughs> and uh, Seppo, who, uh, whose clubs are down the bottom where they're not uh, traditionally used to hanging out with us Carlton supporters. So, well done, everyone. Uh, just a quick look at the ladder before we move into round three. Port, uh, the Adelaide team's dominating at the top, uh, both with uh, two and two, heading into the showdown this weekend on Saturday night. That should be a big game here in Adelaide. Uh, Richmond and Melbourne also two and two. The Eagles and Essendon also two and two. And Geelong and the Bulldogs also two and two, rounding out the eight. So uh, no team with a loss in the eight at the moment is a good sign for the league, I guess. Um, around the middle of the ladder, GWS, Brisbane, each with a win each. Um, and then the teams with no wins dominating down the bottom there from 11th to 18th, which is kind of odd in a way. No. Collingwood, North Melbourne, St Kilda, Hawthorne, the Swans, and then the teams that everyone expected to have no wins at this time, Carlton. Gold Coast, Frio. So, it's a um, bit of a... We actually lost and went up the ladder, so that's a good thing for us. <laughs> How does that work? Oh, uh, I don't know, percentage. <laughs> so, we're heading into round three, folks, and some uh, some decent matches coming up for sure. Sydney and Collingwood at the SCG on Friday night, Mike. How, uh, how are we looking at this one? Well, one team is going to be zero and three, and the other team is going to be one and two, and that's that's guaranteed. So, 
predictions for a, sorry predictions for a sellout at this game as well if the weather holds. Yeah. So I, I would have to say for me, Sydney will be favourites at this point in time. Oh, you'd almost certainly say that, wouldn't you? Is, is Buckley's position in, in danger? Uh, I don't think so at this point in time. I think Buckley's pretty... I, I think for Buckley's position to be untenable, Collingwood would have to be you know, 0 and 8 or 0 and 9, somewhere around there before could something would really happen. If Carlton, yeah, it could uh, happen. If Carlton could flog them in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> yeah. And... and <laughs> Buckley might get uh, hung by his ankles outside Victoria Park. Uh, One can only hope. Kangas, your mob have GWS in Tasmania uh, mm. down there at uh, Blundstone Arena at 1 o'clock or nearly 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. How, it's how... nice not playing on a Sunday afternoon. That's something rare. Uh, Saturday night, off Saturday afternoon, basically, we've gone in as the land of the Giants. We picked Goldstein, Bruce, and Dor with Brown as well. And we're also giving a debut to young Durden, so we're quite tall. So there may be a late out for, that, for those playing Supercoach. Basically, GWS are just going to run us off our feet. I, I don't see how we're going to win this. This is different from Geelong. Mm. We're not going to win this at all. In Tasmania, you're not going to favour yourselves? We're too tall at the moment. They have a strange obsession with playing Land of the Giants. I don't know why, but that's what they do. I'll tell you one thing that did come up from the footage on the weekend was, uh, I can't remember your Ruckman's name, jumping into people's Prius. backs with his knees. What's all that about? Oh, Prius. Oh, that was young Prius. Basically, it was a mongrel tort for Marley Williams, so you can understand that straight away. And the ball dipped with Prius trying to chase after it, and he put the knee in to try and spoil slash mark. The ball dropped a little bit, and he needs Young further in the back. About 0 0.01 seconds out, so it was a 50-metre penalty. Yeah, fair enough. Ooh. Fair enough. It's not something that looks good in slow-mo. <laughs> it was pretty much simultaneous. He couldn't mm. do much about it. He was already in the air. Richmond have got West Coast at, uh, at the MCG, so... West Coast not having a uh, home ground advantage, which was also talked about over the weekend, uh, and uh, the umpiring being uh, heavily weighted towards uh, <laughs> West Australian crowds, which is something that has come up in the past and uh, on big footy and elsewhere, and statistically seems to be borne out that way as well. So it's not just something that people are looking at going, oh, this, 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 and it's not true. It does seem to be borne out in many respects. Uh, West Coast Twitter today making a point of telling people that there are a number of one-eyed venues they could watch uh, the game at over the course of the weekend. Uh, Mike, who's going to win this one? <sighs> so for their first a... first loss of the season to whoever loses this one. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is isn't it? Um, it's, it's interesting. Mm. I, I I still think mm, I think West Coast mm. at the G just got a feeling yeah I I I've got a feeling West Coast might just do it playing playing good footy but then again yeah so uh so, well I hate Richmond so you know it's a West Coast win for me uh, <laughs> uh, Geelong have got Melbourne on Saturday afternoon Kangas um good. 
good match, really. Yeah, well, there's a lot of good matches this round if you're taking ladder position into account. Both sides looking for their first loss. Well, not looking for their first loss, but one of them's going to get it. Um, I don't know. Melbourne aren't yeah. convincing me at the moment. I, I think uh, they they came they were in danger of losing that game on Sunday to a very poor Carlton team. Yeah, there's a few issues with inconsistency with this team. That's the same with St Kilda as well. Uh, I see Geelong's experience get, getting them over the line, but saying that wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne win. But my tip is Geelong. Mm. Mike? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Kangas. I think Geelong might just be too good, um, especially now without Jesse on the forward line. They might have a little bit of a problem there. Um and I think probably Geelong will be just a little bit too polished for Melbourne. Yeah, the resurrection of Port Adelaide continues on Saturday night. Uh, they are the home team against Adelaide at Adelaide Oval for the showdown. It's one versus two. Um, how are we seeing this? Going to be um, very interesting. Well, yeah. The showdowns are very hotly played generally as well, so expect a big crowd for this one. Mm. I've got a feeling I, I'm leaning towards a side of or, or towards the pick of Adelaide for this one yeah Adelaide for me yeah I suspect Adelaide as well as much as I hate Adelaide um, I'm hoping for Port but I reckon Adelaide will win this I'll tell you what we will see we will start to see the ladder break up a little bit this weekend as some of the top teams get their first losses and things like that there's like four matches in that top eight uh, well, three matches in that top eight that are against other teams in that top eight. So, uh, the fun one for Mike Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs uh, at in Perth. How much will the Bulldogs win by, and why? Um, look, I, I don't think this is going to be an ugly game um, in terms of. I don't think we're going to out and win by twelve, fifteen goals. I think we'll just we'll just do it sort of reasonably comfortable in the thirty to forty points. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's confident. Yeah, I know. No, no. Look, I'm not. I'm not. Com- I'm not. Not confident. Um, I think one thing that we are showing is that we have the depth, um, and and certainly, um, you know, when uh, when uh, Franklin kicked those two goals, who, who I don't care what you say, he, he's still an unbelievable player, and you you can't defend against those sort of goals that he kicks. Um, it's just phenomenal when he kicks them, but. I, normally in the years gone past when we would have had a team like Sydney um, come back um, they would have just run over us and we would have lost um, but I think our depth and our ability to our level of maturity to sort of stave off um, and sort of bounce back is, is really sort of improved so I'm confident that we're going to win um, I'm not tipping a huge margin by any means but I think we'll do enough to sort of take the game home somewhere between 30 and 40 points Kangas, what happens when the phenomena that is the Western Bulldogs umpiring favouritism takes on the West Australian home ground advantage umpiring favouritism? Well, it doesn't quite apply to Fremantle. If it was West Coast, it might be a bit different. And the umpires might be in a bit of a conundrum, but it is Fremantle, so they don't really look after them. And Fremantle's not good enough to take advantage of the umpires either, so... In fairness to that, we did beat West Coast at home in the elimination final by some nearly 50 points, so... 
Well, look who's living in the past. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. 1995. Hey, it's all I've got. It's all I've got. <laughs> um, oh, dear. St. Kilda have got Brisbane on Sunday in a game that Messenger will be watching, no doubt, with his eyes taped open. Um, at this game at Eddie Had Stadium, I am... Um, Kangas, can Brisbane get over the Saints? They can, but they won't. That's fairly successful. Yeah, St Kilda at home, I just trust... It's all about trust with St Kilda, and I trust them a little bit more than Brisbane at the moment. Though Brisbane is much improved this year. <laughs> uh, so no no hope for Brisbane there, according to Kangas. Mike, uh, you're on the same train? Yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Mm, interesting. Uh, I would expect Brisbane to put up a good fight, though, but I just don't think they'll have the cattle to to win that one. Mick Malthouse offering his thoughts there. Um, Carlton have Essendon <laughs> on Sunday afternoon at the MCG. It's uh, Any hope for Carlton? <laughs> look, I'm a Carlton man, so I'm going to say, look, there, there have been games in the past where one or other of these sides has got up against the odds. Um, I don't... I don't I, Carlton, Carlton are improving. It, it, it is not a... It's not a stellar... You know, they're not going to play like the Bulldogs this year. And I'm not expecting them to. Can they get over Essendon? There's a chance. There is a chance. Well, they nearly got over Melbourne, yeah. But I think probably what, what beat them against Melbourne was fitness. Yeah. So they there's, were tied. They were tied. There's a few new faces in the Carlton side this week, apparently. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Look, I'm not prepared to rule us out. I, I think it could be done. Is it likely? Maybe not. Are we going to be favourites? Definitely not. But uh, I, I wouldn't say it, it can't be done at the moment. I'd, I'd just say it's unlikely. But I'm a Carlton man. I'm put my foot. I'm put my put my money down. Blues for the win on this. Okay. Oh well, be, be confident. Why not? It's a forty-point win. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> It'll be close, and uh, but whoever wins this will uh, will probably be feeling it the day after, I suspect. Uh, the big one, of course, Gold Coast versus Hawthorne. This one at Metricon Stadium. Uh, someone here will be chasing their first win of the season. <laughs> Oddly enough, <laughs> um, God, I hope it's Gold Coast. <laughs> they're yeah, they're just too bad at the moment. They just I don't know what's wrong with them. They, they just can't get good players on the park or they struggle when they are on the park. No, no chance Ablett lifts and has 40 possessions and kicks 20 goals. Oh, he, was hor- he was horrible against GWS. He couldn't lift his legs. Yeah. He was shocking. I, I think a lot of people are going to have their doubts about whether or not Ablett has really got his heart set on actually playing for, G- for GCS. And he, I think he's already made that clear. Um, without saying that he wants to come back to Melbourne and go back to Geelong. So, um, yeah, a bit disappointing because he, he's the one that wanted to go to, to Gold Coast and make the move up there and do his best for them. And, mm. you know, I think he's selling them short, really. Mm. All right, chaps, what are we looking forward to the most on the weekend? Another round of game day treats. Kangas? Uh, just a North Melbourne win. For God's sake, we need something this season. <laughs> uh, Mike? 
oh, besides besides game day three, it's oh look, you know, I, I'd be happy for us to just to bank the four points against Fremantle, um, and probably it's it's good not having Pav there because he always plays well against us. Um, uh, so yeah, look, I'd be happy with, with with chalking up the win and banking the points and, and moving on and coming up with no injuries. Look, while I, while I'm fairly resigned to Carlton probably losing this weekend, I hope we don't because you know these matches are the highlight of my year. And I'll take you know if I lose every other game for the year, I'll take a win over Essendon, you know. But uh, if 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 that fails to eventuate, and it probably won't, um, I would love for Gold Coast to beat Hawthorne. I I that would, that would make my day in so many ways. Messenger would never come back to the podcast. He'd be stuck in Fiji drinking Fiji. He, yeah, he'll just keep finding reasons to extend his sojourns in Fiji or the Sandwich Islands or wherever the hell he is. He'd <laughs> <laughs> just never come back. Just, just just make sure you're on the main port when that happens or if that happens with <laughs> My Don't net. leave it all to me and Malifus. <laughs> no, no, I'll be, I'll be around. Look, guys, this has been a very nice little podcast that we've done tonight, I think. Um, thank you very much for coming on, and your participation, as always, has been exemplary. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, look, thank you, as usual. Uh, before we go, look, um, just some uh, just acknowledgement to the man Grizzly and the other man Seppo that stepping down from moderating duty. So, so thanks to those guys for, for being a part and especially Grizzly with his, uh, the legendary threads on his father on the, uh, general discussion were, were sort of amusing to read. Um, so whatever those guys are going to be doing with their time, good luck to them. And, and uh, thanks for their, uh, effort over the past years and, and their, uh, you know, their role on footy. Yeah, Grizz always a big support to the moderating team. Kangas, uh, thanks for coming on. No worries, man, any time. No, I love you. <laughs> no, homo. <laughs> what the fuck's going on there? Anyway, and I, of course, have been the Wookiee. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you all on the forums. Please behave in game day threads this weekend uh, for Mike's sanity. <laughs> That's right. Mike, Mike, Mike needs you to behave. Be like lambs. Just compliment exactly. each other. Lambs, don't don't worry about That's don't right. worry about the umpiring <laughs> or who's getting favoured by who or who said what back in the day about what or who did drugs way back when or who you know. Just be nice to each other. What would Mike do? That's what you need to ask yourself when you're posting. What would Mike do? Well, look, you know, we, we don't have any problems with people wanting to laugh and having a bit of a troll, but just do it in the appropriate place for it. That's all. What would Mike do? Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.